Homeward is committed to partnering with parents and equipping you with the resources you need to raise your kids to become responsible adults. And Steadfast Companies, a leading real estate investment company, is proud to partner with Homeward to bring you the following podcast presentation. A more introspective person tends to be extroverted online when an extroverted person tends to be introverted because they're not sure what to do as an extrovert. They're used to controlling the conversation. All of a sudden, because there's opportunity to think and to be introspective before you respond, they are not comfortable in that situation. But somebody who's introverted totally is. And so you oftentimes see, particularly with uh, your more shy kids, like I have two very shy kids, are very extroverted online. That's great insight from pastor, author, husband, and father, Adam McLean. He's the author, co-author of a new book called uh, Helping uh, Parents Navigate Kids Online, Parents Guide for uh, uh, Navigating Social Media. And it's so important. This is non-negotiable for us now as parents. It's not just a matter of being the Disneyland dad or the Magic Mountain mom that says, hey, I bought my kid an iPhone 5, but rather, how do we use it and how does it impact their lives? Because it is shaping the culture. And today here on the Homeward Broadcast, uh, you're going to hear part two of Dr. Jim Burns' continuing conversation with pastor and author. Author Adam McLean talking about helping your kids navigate life online. Homeward is here to help you with these very issues. This is where parents get real answers. Check out the articles and media section of our online resource center today for more information about those materials at homeward.com. And now here's Jim. Welcome to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns. Today is a continuing conversation with Adam McLean. We're talking about, well, Understanding social media, helping your teenager navigate life online. And boy, has life changed that way. Adam and I were talking before the broadcast about the fact that, you know, you might talk to somebody near Microsoft or Apple and they're absolutely knowledgeable in this area. And then the next person might not know really how to turn on the computer. Well, I got news for you. Your kids know how to turn on the computer and your kids, even at a young age, are using social media. Social media obviously would be things like Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, you know, the list goes on and on. But it is the third life, as Adam McLean has talked about in a great new book, brand new book called A Parent's Guide to Understanding Social Media, Helping Your Teenager Navigate Life Online. By the way, if you don't have a teenager, I would strongly urge you, if your kids are younger, to buy this book too, because if they don't use it now, they're going to be using it tomorrow or the next day. So there we go. Adam, great to have you back on the broadcast. Thanks for having me. You know, as we talk about this, uh, I, I just have so many different questions I want to ask, but you have a chapter, which I really liked in your book, called Stuff Teenagers Need to Understand, obviously need to understand about social media. And one of the things you said, and it really put me back, and I, 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 I know this to be true, and yet it still kind of throws me, is you say to, to uh, parents, to remember for their teenagers, that everything you post online is public. That's right. I think that there's a, a lot of perception out there that uh, the things that you put online, particularly if you use, use privacy settings, um, are private. And in reality, they might be pseudo-private, but and it's in the best interest of that site to keep that somewhat private. But you need to understand, first of all, that if you're posting something on Facebook, it kind of belongs to them and they can kind of do what they want with it. And But at the same time, you just don't know who's watching. And so you always have to assume that what you're saying is completely public. Yeah. You know, I had an experience once where I uh, wrote in a book called Teenology, a chapter on creating a media safe home. And it's something that, that I talk on. I sure don't have the authority or the um, ability and the knowledge that you have. But obviously, if you care about kids, and you care about parents, you've got to talk about how do you create media-safe homes. So I was speaking at a school at night to parents, and 
I was speaking on creating a media safe home, and then they had a, a, a policeman come in, and he was going to talk about you know some of the real strong dangers of it. Sometimes when you talk about drug or alcohol, they do the same kind of thing, and uh, and actually. Typically, they do a really good job. So I spoke on it, and then the policeman came in, and he said, now, Jim had asked you a question. How many of your kids are online on things like you know, Facebook? And really, only about half of you raised your hands. But he said, I'm going to suggest that, as Jim did, because I said, well, I think more of you probably have kids online. So what he did is he said, somebody who doesn't think their child is online, just give me their email address. And so he typed in an email address. Up pops a Facebook with a girl who doesn't have any clothes on, but she's facing the other way. So you only see her backside. Well, the mother gasped because he was not expecting that. He was just going to show that hey, she probably has right. a Facebook. Now you've got a naked kid. It's the backside, but wow. not a pretty sight. And you know, the fascinating side to it was that was posted. You said everything you post is public. Well, that was pu- that was absolutely public. The mom just didn't know how to get on. What, should a parent be a friend on Facebook? Should a parent you know, follow them on Instagram? Should a parent follow them on Twitter? Is that okay? I think it's a good idea, but I think, it, first of all, you have to have the conversation with your, with yes. your child. Um, and uh, what we suggest would be starting young, have all of their login credentials. We have a rule in our house, even we have a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old and a baby. The baby just kind of does what we do. But the older ones, they have a Google spreadsheet and they share it with mom and dad. And every time they create a username and password, it has to go on the spreadsheet or they're not allowed to use that site. And then of course, as they get older and they earn our trust and they prove that that's, that won't be necessary, uh, we'll re- restrict yeah. those. Right. Uh, well, that, that's good parenting too, by the way. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, no, it is. I mean, it's just good parenting that what you, you the job of a parent, and you, and you talk about this, we're going to talk about this at the very end, but is, is to really raise responsible adults. And the only way we can do that is not by you know, looking at everything they do or say and, and just being that what we call helicopter parent, but we've got to help them to become responsible. Part of that is teaching kids how to, well, create a media safe home. Like you say, you got to teach them that everything they post online is public, but, but, every, but you also say everywhere you go is tracked. Absolutely. You know, one of the things you have to remember when you're dealing with social media is you're not a customer. You are the product. What, how that works is they are taking your data every time you click on something and every time you look, whatever you look at, and they're putting that in their memory banks and onto their servers. And then they are matching your behavior to advertising, which will then be served. And that's actually the product that they're yeah. selling at Facebook or all these other sites is advertising to organizations and companies who are targeting this very powerful demographic of teenagers. Yeah, yeah you know, I remember on Cyber Monday, um, you know, near Christmas time, they were talking about the fact that, you know, where you shop and where you have shopped in the past is actually going to come up on your screens, not just random stuff. And so what you're saying here is that, you know, this is about business. This is a marketing tool for groups like Facebook, but kids aren't thinking about that at all. Absolutely not. They, while they, uh, you know, they impact your wallet with their influence, it's also done in a way that is probably not within their cognitive understanding. Yeah. And so when they are uh, Googling uh, for the latest video game and they end up at Amazon and they look at that product, they don't see that correlation between when they're later browsing the internet. They see that same product advertised on a Disney website or something like that. All that aftermarking that happens, and that's just the result of the cookies and the, uh, the different tracking things that happen online. Every time you visit a website, your device shares information with the device that you're accessing. Right. And I think it's important for... Uh, parents to be able to tell their kids that. Plus, even when kids start dabbling in things like pornography and whatnot, you know, they need to understand that 
now the world knows this. Now it's not mom and dad or others, but it's it's that world that's going to keep now shooting them uh, temptations and other types of things. One of the other things that you said, Adam, and I thought was interesting is you said you can't delete anything in, in reality. And, and you even go so far as saying, you know, that today employers are looking at social media, colleges even look sometimes at social media. But you, when you say you can't delete something, sometimes parents will say, oh, no, you just have to push that button and it just goes away. That's not necessarily the way that it works. You have to think about uh, your profile as being a very, very long uh, spreadsheet. And so everything about you is in one line of code. And all of that stuff, even if you say you delete it, so every Facebook like you've ever done, every status you've you've uh, updated or picture you've posted is all in this spreadsheet. And just because it's uh, you've deleted it doesn't mean it's gone. It just means it's hidden from you. And so it doesn't mean that, you, that it's like erased and it never happened it's still there and you know it could be subpoenaed or it could be accessed uh even by a hacker there's these hacker groups that are out there that are uh constantly saying we would love to release everyone's private messages well that could be devastating to you personally and to your kids as well well i mean and look what's happening in the world of government or whatever i mean just recently we've had some high profile people who had online conversations or had what they thought were private emails and you know it's come back to you know, they're now fired and they're released from their jobs and yeah, their so, marriages are in a mess and on and on. Yeah, so if we teach our, our kids that just work under the assumption that everything that you do online yeah. is somehow public, yeah. that helps them filter yeah. in an, really in an adult right. kind of way so that yeah. they, they know that uh, they're not going to get themselves in trouble. Well, you knew this was coming, but what about pornography? I mean, you know, people say that the greatest new users of online pornography are boys ages 12 to 17, the greatest new users, not necessarily the age group that uses it the most. But, you know, boys are looking at that. Girls are looking at that. Uh, we had somebody here on our broadcast that said that today the average kid sees pornography at age 11, oftentimes by mistake, but they still see it. So, you know, it's been the death of innocence. Um, online has just made that bigger. Did people look at Playboys and things like that in yesterday? Sure, they did. But not to the extent, not to the visual extent that you can see online today. What do you say to the parent who's who finds out that their you know, 11, 12, 13-year-old has been online looking at pornography? Well, first of all, as a Christian, you, you approach all of those conversations with a manner of grace. Every single person, whether a child or an adult, whether intentional or unintentional, will encounter pornography on the internet because it finds you more than you typically try to find it. And that's really how Satan works. He had, puts out snares for us. I think the bigger principle there, Jim, is to, uh, is to think about, we teach, it's called where leads to what. And so in our home, we only allow anyone in our house, including myself, I work at home uh, on the computer all day and my wife works at home on the computer, to use internet connected devices in public spaces of the house. And so we don't allow, uh, we're not allowed to use that in our bedroom. We're not allowed to use that. Even if uh, everybody else is in the living room and the kids are in the kitchen, well, they're not allowed to use it there. Because my experience as a youth pastor <laughs> has always seems to go back to if a kid is using uh, the internet in a private location, it's going to lead towards pornography. Um, but then when we do an encounter, you know, your kids are going to see it, uh, pornography, have open and honest conversations about it. Um, it only gets worse if you make it this private thing. No, it's good, great, great insight. And, you know, it's interesting because you're saying something that we used to say before Wi-Fi was everywhere. We'd say, move the computer out of the kid's bedroom, put it in a public place. But today with Wi-Fi, it's so much easier for the kids to 
go someplace else and you think, oh gosh, you know, little Johnny's just doing great. He spent five hours on homework. And I said, there, there's no 15 year old who's just spending five hours on homework. And it may not be pornography. It could be video gaming, other types of things. Sure. But the fact is, is that probably five hours of anything that's stimulating like that may not be good. Definitely pornography and, and probably even even video games to, to an extent. Yeah. I mean, we solve the practicalities. You still want to get really, really practical. We buy $40 headphones for our kids. They don't mind wearing them. Um, and just they're allowed to play on their games or their Nintendo DS or whatever they're using. They just have to do that in public spaces in our house. And that seems to solve the whole problem. They can have that sense of privacy that in that they're not making noise in the living room uh, by listening to the music on their game or whatever. Um, but Great. yeah. Great input. We're going to have to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Roger, tell us about uh, Adam McLean and actually Mark Ostriker's book, Parents' Guide to Understanding Social Media. Uh, both are partners at Youth Cartel, and we have some information on our website about that as well. Don't go away. More to come. When we come back, we're going to talk about kids can flip-flop their personalities online, and they're doing it all the time. So we'll talk to Adam about that in just a moment. Boy, and this is good insight that we're getting as parents, not just, sometimes we focus on the mechanics of how uh, the online world works, and we want to make sure we have the filters and the blockers and all those things to make sure our kids are safe, but their thought processes are changing so much, and uh, this is why we have to have this Parent's Guide to Understanding Social Media, the new book by Marco Stryker and our guest today on the program, Adam McLean. You can find a link to it on our website today. Go to homeward.com and the radio broadcast section hit adam's name it'll take you right to that more of that information that you need and now here's the conclusion of dr jim burns conversation with adam mcclain here on homework welcome back i'm jim burns today we're talking about understanding social media with kids, helping your teenager navigate life online, but also your younger kids as well. Uh, great new book, A Parent's Guide to Understanding Social Media. I highly recommend it. It's by Adam McLean and Mark Ostriker. They are partners in a great organization called Youth Cartel. And what Youth Cartel does is helps businesses, churches, organizations engage with understanding adolescents and how to affect change in the lives of adolescents and uh, young adults as well. We've got a link on our website today on that. Adam, you talked about in your book the fact that kids personalities sometimes flip-flop online. So there's one kid in person, there's another kid online. And I've seen this over and over again myself. Talk about that. That's an interesting you know, way of looking at life here. Yeah. And it started, I first noticed that with uh, engaging with adults online in things like back of the day with, with MySpace and so on and so forth, that people who are a little bit more extroverted yeah. tend to think of social media as a complete waste of time. Yeah. And, they, and you hear that when I engage with parents, they go, oh, well, my kid's on Facebook. They should be out playing soccer or right. they should be part of a club at school. I don't want them doing that because they just don't get it. But a, a, a more introspective person tends to be extroverted online when an extroverted person tends to be introverted because they're not sure what to do as an extrovert. They're used to controlling the conversation. All of a sudden, because there's opportunity to think and to be introspective before you respond, they are not comfortable in that situation. But somebody who's introverted totally is. And so you oftentimes see, particularly with uh, your more shy kids, like I have two very shy kids, are, are very extroverted online. Interesting. Now, one of the other things that you do see, too, is that you'll see kids who actually were brought up with good morals. They're raised in the church. Their families seem to be doing okay. No family's perfect. But online, they're kind of nasty, or maybe they're gross or whatever. You know, what is that all about? Some of that, I think, goes into just the process of what we call in the 
in adolescent psychology, uh, individuation of trying on different selves, just like back when I was in, in uh, middle school, I can remember, uh, even though I was kind of from a preppy family wearing Metallica t-shirts and trying to learn how to skateboard, I was trying on a personality. It didn't work for me. Uh, but if my parents had thwarted that, uh, which I'm sure they just took pictures and laughed, uh, you know, then I might not have been able to, to grow into who I truly was. In the same way we see teenagers today will sometimes try on different personalities, quote unquote, uh, online. And where that really, uh, we see that mostly right now is in Twitter, where a, a teenager will have eight or 10 sometimes profiles where they have different pockets of people that they're connecting to in these little private circles of conversation. And that's actually important for parents to understand. And you mentioned it earlier too, that sometimes they'll have a couple of Facebook accounts, they'll have a couple of Twitter accounts. We think they only have one, but we're maybe only seeing one side of the personality. You know, it, it's interesting because for years I've given a quote when I speak to parents about teens, and I, I quote a man named Eric Erickson, who's kind of the authority on it, and he said, you know, the primary task of the teenage years is to find a source of self-identity. And I oftentimes say as a Christian that I would want that identity rooted in Christ, but you mentioned it, you know, you're in middle school and are you going to be preppy? Are you going to be uh, somebody who wears the Metallica t-shirts? Are you going to do this? And we kind of try on all these identity factors. So it seems to me that it could be dangerous because they're being accepted in different social media groups as, as somebody else. And so now they almost have a, a schizoid type of a personality because yeah, I'm this person here and I'm into you know, drug, sex, and rock and roll. And on this side, I'm into praise and worship music. And on this side, and kids do that, but it's, it's more evident in social media that they're doing the flip-flop. Absolutely. In, so, in many ways, but in many ways not. I think part of that's our role as parents is we kind of have to help them see that, look, everything you do online is public. It's all going to be known eventually. Uh, and all these lives eventually have to be merged. And so while you might be able to pull off having eight different Twitter profiles with right. eight different group of fans, right. at, at some point, you're going to mess it up and all of that is going to come crashing down. Yeah. We understand complex social networks as adults. That's the, the, the tactical advantage that you and I have over, even though we don't understand the technology, we have that tactical advantage over our, our kids and we have to help them see that all of these complex social networks are just part of life and oh, you have to learn how to manage that. Man, you got me thinking, Adam. That's a great, <laughs> that's, that is a great way of looking at that. Now, I want you to talk about online privacy laws. A lot of times parents get to a place and we're, we're talking about everything is, is available and you, know, you can see all this stuff, but you did a good job of talking about online privacy laws. And again, a lot of parents, I mean, we're just trying to get through Thursday, let's face it. And, you know, then we're going to try to get through Sunday and then we're going to, you know, whatever. And yet in social media, there are some privacy laws that are actually helpful. Absolutely. You know, we all kind of joke about, you know, what our federal government can and can't do. And sometimes it's inadequate and sometimes it overstretches boundaries. But what, there's a law called COPPA, C-O-P-P-A, that you can check out and read for yourself. It's written in plain English. And really what it, it does is protects our kids online lives. And it, uh, it is actually very much so uh, enforced. And basically the gist of COPA is that it, it is illegal for any company to store personal identifiable information, so their name associated with their home address or something like that, of anybody under the age of 13. Now, what's cool with that is that that also means that uh, that tends to trickle up because that, that law is so strongly enforced and the fines are oftentimes millions and millions of dollars and embarrassing to these publicly traded companies. So they tend to trickle up with that law. 
Um, and, and I think that's, it's one of those things that as, as parents, you, you need to know that the government is actually on your side. Uh, and so like when you have younger kids, like I have younger kids that use uh, Webkins, they can associate their first name with uh, their character, but they can't do a first name and last name with any sort of personally identifiable information. So there, there are really uh, wide stretching laws that are out there to help uh, you as a parent keep your kids' information private. Good. And we can find out, at, we can go to COPPA, yep. C-O-P-P-A yep. dot com and probably learn more about it. Great. People strongly suggest that families, especially with younger kids, get filters. I think you called it in your book uh, blocking software. Is that the same thing as a filter? Um, You said teach responsibilities rather than relying on blocking software. What do you mean by that? Do you not use it at all, or, or are you just more focusing on teaching responsibilities rather than just saying, okay, well, we're not going to see any of this stuff because we have a, a filter? Yeah, first, I don't want to say that those are bad, uh, but I think just like with any other device that you expect to parent your children, uh, understand that it's not going to work. So in our home, we, we <laughs> you know, we have these these principles that we have in play, and the one that we rely on the most that really is better than a filter is we don't use uh, any internet-connected device in, in private space. Yeah, that's a great So idea. that's a better than a filter. And oftentimes what happens, particularly with their younger children, is they'll be Googling something for their homework, and something will pop up that they weren't supposed to see, and they'll go, They'll almost call a timeout, like, oh, I, how did I get here? And they'll not understand that Googling those two words together, while it might make sense for their homework, actually uh, was the name of something else that they shouldn't see, something inappropriate. Um, but, you know, for if you're relying on a filter, uh, just ask any 10-year-old in an elementary school, and they know how to disable the filter sure. at their elementary school. Any network administrator knows that those are, are yeah. not really true safeguards. Are they bad? Absolutely not. I, particularly if you have a child that's struggling with pornography, there's a lot of Triple uh, X Church has a, a really good software called X3 for it's really an accountability software. That's a fabulous triplexchurch.com where you know I can put three names on to hold me accountable. So if I was on a porn site, then I would whoever it is my my mother, my wife, and uh, my pastor or anybody I want to choose could get a, a little email that would say you know Jim's been online. Obviously, it's not exactly that, but it's 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 pretty close. Good good idea. You know, uh, we don't have a whole lot of time left, but you and your wife, and you said this in your book, want your kids to have healthy, happy, and simple adult relationships. What do you mean? Well, we the, the joke there is that we don't want to ever see our kids on Jerry Springer or a show like that. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we've worked with enough teenagers to know that there are uh, particular students in in every context that just love drama and they love to stir things up and uh we have been blessed as as a couple to have what we would consider many healthy simple adult relationships and we know that that comes from uh guarding ourselves in a lot of different elements of our lives Um, and so that totally plays into how you interact with people online when somebody's particularly catty or a girl is starting something with us then we just defriend them and move on because we we ourselves want to live a happy healthy simple adult life. And we want our kids to, to look at us and go, wow, those are the type of relationships we want uh, to be in as an adult. Um, and so we that sets a course for us. Yeah. Great, great input. Hey, thanks so much for being with us today. Adam McLean, it's again, a great book. I recommend it's a brand new book. It's called A Parent's Guide to Understanding Social Media, Helping Your Teenager Navigate Life Online. And if you have younger kids, I recommend that you would pick that up as well. You know, we've got to have a media safe home. And it's one of the things in parenting that when we get married, we don't necessarily think about it. When we make babies, it's not, you know, primary in our mind, but yet it's going to be 
more and more as it is today. It's so prevalent, but it's even more and more important for us to, to, to think through these things. And, you know, some of the things we're going to have to help our kids understand is that, um, you know, no public information that they don't want out there because it is public. Uh, we want to teach them that, you know, this stuff doesn't happen in the privacy of a bedroom. It's as Adam was talking about, you know, we need to have, sure, we have Wi-Fi and most of us do, but we need to be able to uh, hold our kids accountable to ha- as us as well, you know, to be online in a public place. And also know that, you know, pornography, uh, if some people say it rules the web, pornography is very present. And what we don't want to do is have our kids innocently put those two words together that Adam talked about and all of a sudden, you know, porn pops up and uh, all of a sudden you've got a, you've got a major addiction and let them know that it's not a, it's not just a toy. It is a resource and it's not going away. And I really appreciated his input because what he's saying is, is it bad? All bad? No. Is it good? All good? No. It's kind of like the rest of life. It's in between. And what we're going to have to do is teach our kids really how to handle social media responsibly. And I got news for you. It is one of the most important aspects of this new world of parenting. I'm so glad that we can offer that today. Roger? It certainly is, Jim. As a matter of fact, Dr. David Peck, who uh, oversees our responsibilities here at the Homeward Broadcast and the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University, David's PhD is in media psychology. That's how far the study has grown. And uh, we as parents... We don't need PhDs in media psychology, but we have to understand social media. Adam McLean's book with Mark Ostriker is still very helpful, and you can go to Homeward.com for more information on that. Also remember that Homeward and APU also using social media as well. If you'd like to podcast along with us, many more people have seen a huge upturn in the number of podcasters of this daily Monday through Friday release. You can do that through iTunes. That's where we podcast. Go to Homeward.com for more information on how to get that started. And now for Dr. Jim Burns, our engineer Ben Camp, and the rest of the staff, I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks so much for listening. Join us again next time right here for another edition of Homeward. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University.